thing for it. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Welcome to the Cornhusker Corner with Blake. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. And Brooks. Is mayonnaise an instrument? And you better bet your bottom dollar that these two brothers know how to handle business. Here's a hand up to Thunder who gives it back to Mike Stutz. He's going to throw it. He's got a man out. All right. Welcome to Corn Husker Corner, where there's no place like this podcast. This podcast. As always, we're your host, Blake, and my brother, Brooks. Brooks. Um, before we get started, um, as always, please remember to uh, like and subscribe. Um, it really does help. Uh, I know that uh, off season, not as consistent, but if you guys start liking and subscribing and uh, commenting, uh, that would be great. And we'll do these a lot more often. Remember to follow us on Twitter at chusker underscore corner and on Instagram at cornhusker corner. So now that that's out of the way, uh, how you been? It's been a while. You know, I've been great. I've been great. It has been a while. It's been a much needed break. You know, um, I love Husker football. I love college football in general. Um, and uh, as you know, as as the but as the season ends, it is kind of nice to just decompress a little bit, watch some other sports. Um, speaking of other sports, uh, for those who don't know, Blake is an Eagles fan, and uh, and the Eagles. Uh, that was a great game. I will say, it's fun to watch. Fantastic Eagles Chiefs yeah. Super Bowl. Fantastic yeah. game, fun to watch. Got to be happy for Andy Reid. But that holding call at the end, I did want to get your thoughts on that. What do you think about the, the whole thing? We'll see. Okay, so just in thoughts of the general in the game. Yeah, um, go ahead. Our, the field was crap. I'm not yeah. using that as an excuse, but the field was crap. And when you have a defensive line that goes as hard as we do, that does not bode well. And that you could really tell just in terms of us being able to contain the run. Um, on the Chiefs, um, you know, offense, uh, when that happens, uh, they're going to be able to, when you have Mahomes back there and you can run the ball, it, it's going to be really hard to stop them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, just, the, uh, the defensive line didn't really do much that game, did they? No, they didn't. And I didn't even think about if, that. If you've, I've, if you go and see the, um, like actual, like compilation of just plays of the game. And you see how many times that the defense alignment fell down. And Chiefs players fell down too. This is by no means an excuse. But that kind of took away a very stronghold of that defense. And when you give Patrick Mahomes that much time, like he doesn't need that much time with that receiving core he has with one of the best tight ends ever to play. He doesn't even need two legs. No, not really. (laughs) Um, So that's that's that. That holding call. I know people keep pointing to it and being like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I understand that. But um, I don't think it should be, should have been called. But, you know, he did hold them a little bit. He did. And um, it wasn't enough. The pass was kind of uncatchable. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, like, look, I, I, I appreciate how objective you're being because from coming from your mouth, it wouldn't feel as objective, but I'll say this, that call was ridiculous in that moment. And here's what I mean by that. What I mean by that is, and I've heard this comparison made a lot, uh, to a, to a, uh, uh, home plate umpire calling strikes and balls. <clears throat> he wasn't a calling a strike there all game. You know what I mean? He wasn't calling a strike there all game. And then in the, in the bottom of the ninth inning, th- the, the count is three to two. 
and then he calls a strike mm-hmm. there, or vice versa, calls a ball there. You know what I mean? It's it's like he didn't. There was not one holding call that entire game, and then they called it in the one moment where it would literally seal the game for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It was. It was questionable. Like, look, I think I, do, I don't think there's any weird. Cons- I, I I don't think there's any weird conspiracy yeah, no. or up the ladder. Oh, getting, you know, Brooks bet pretty bad. Brook Brooks bet on Philadelphia, so we got to make sure that Philadelphia Philadelphia loses. I don't think there was anything like that. Um, I do think that it was just a ref being a ref saw something and just made a call in the moment. Probably yeah. didn't even think about the implications of anything. Like, what? Well, what? That's not his job to think about the implications at the end of the no. day. Um, so. But it is just unfortunate. But it was a great game. Uh, congrats yeah, to Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, congrats to Kansas City. And I know that, you know, as Nebraska fans, there's lots of Chiefs fans in the there in is. Husker mm-hmm. fandom. Um, yep. I mean, but you have to, just in terms of the game, I hated that they just took out. I understand why, you know, he does, doesn't just run in for the touchdown. He, you know, slides down. They, It's the Super Bowl. Like, you're going to play Madden at the Super Bowl? Like, that's something people do at Madden. So, like, you don't get another chance to throw a Hail Mary. Like, yep. it was just such an anticlimactic win yeah. in the game. Especially, yep. like, Jalen Hurts didn't get even a chance to have that. No, game. I know. But and, here's the thing, you know, if you're a Nebraska fan, you see what they did at the end with the dude kneeling on the one-yard line to give him that chance, you know. And as a Nebraska fan, you're like, they did what they had to do to win the game, man. You know, there's countless times where I look at our strategy in those situations. Just and we, yeah, exactly. And um, it was a great game. I thought it was a fun, fun, fun environment. And uh, yeah. congrats to both teams. I think, like you said, there's a lot of Kansas City fans that are part of part of uh, that that are also Nebraska fans. I've noticed that. I've also noticed um, it seems like Nebraska fans are either Kansas City fans. Broncos fans, Chicago fans, or Minnesota fans, or Green Bay fans. I, I see those those types of like of like Midwestern teams a lot with Nebraska, but mm. Kansas City most of all because it's just two and a half hours south of, yeah. of the stadium. Um, and Arrowhead's a great environment, but man, the trash talk that was going on. <laughs> Dude, I know. And one thing that I haven't seen that you were saying before the game and all season really is like, Philadelphia is like a paper tiger. They don't deserve to be here. They're trash. They're this, that. I do. I know we lost, but I think the way we lost and the way we actually played that game, that I don't. Th- I haven't seen that point brought up. You know, mm-hmm. like oh, the, oh no, see, see, they lost because they were terrible. No, like we took, like we. Those are obviously the two best teams in the NFL this year, and I, I don't know how many years that you can actually say that that is the case going into the Super Bowl. And, arguably. Uh, because, like, look at the game before with Kansas City. It's like, uh, arguably, they got handed that game, too. Uh, I don't remember the exact call, but I remember it was a big referee decision that made a big dis- oh, big in the Bengals? In the, in the yeah. Bengals game. Yeah, Cincinnati, that's the other team that seems to be picking up a mm-hmm. lot of Husker fan uh, a Husker, Husker fan fans just because of it's Zach Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, and Zach Taylor. Taylor. And and Jimmy Bur- Jimmy Burrow's son Joe Burrow. I mean, yeah. Um, and and uh, and CTB Cam Taylor Britt coming on coming on midway through the year and really having a hell of a, a back half of the rookie season. So yeah. shout out to Cam Taylor Britt as well. But yeah, I just had I wanted to talk about a few of those NFL notes before we got on yeah. to, to Husker football. No, you, you have to. I, yeah. I'll, I'll just leave it on this. I left that game feeling really, really like I don't know how long it's going to be till we get here again. Not really I think we have the people in place. We have so many free agents on that team that were mm. contributors. 
And uh, so our GM, Howie Roseman, he's going to have to do a lot in this offseason for us to get back there, I think, because he has a lot. He's going to have to do a lot of negotiating. See, so. correct me if I'm wrong, but I always heard that the strong suit of the Philadelphia Eagles these last you know, five or six years have been the core of, of linemen that have, that have mm-hmm. really been there the whole time. Um, yep. So is that really where you're looking at with, when it comes to all that stuff, the line? There's, or, there's a defensive line. Uh, defensive. Three of three of our defensive line are free agents. Sue was on a one year. Yeah, contract. one year. I yeah, think I, I think he's going to retire. Um, right. Yeah, probably. Shout out to um, Sue, by the way. Shout out to Sue. Um, uh, gotta love that guy. I mean, uh, he he gets gets a Super Bowl on his way out, and uh, the conversation sort of arose in these last couple weeks of like, is Sue the greatest Husker NFL player of all time? Um, as being a young person, my short answer based on who I know and the circumstances of where I grew up and stuff it. No, Will Shields is the greatest Nebraska NFL player of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah. arguably, but I mean, he went, uh, Will Shields went to like nine pro bowls or something like that. A pro bowl every he's a year. Hall, he's a hall of fame. He's, I mean, he's a hall of famer. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and Sue will probably arguably be in the hall of fame as well. I mean, yeah. um, but maybe not first ballot, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I think we're also impartial to Will because, uh, we know him. Well, Will's a legend. I mean, here, yeah. here's the thing: like, Will, Will's a legend. But you, uh, for those who don't know, you you played uh, you played AAU basketball in what third and fourth grade? Was that it with Siobhan? Uh, so third through fifth grade with Siobhan. Yeah. So so we we uh, we know the Shields, and then you went back there and worked out at his facility yeah, uh, before your facility before, uh, a couple of years in high school. Yeah, wasn't it before you were going into high school, like your freshman year or sophomore year? Yeah, it was year before something? freshman year. Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, well, and we and he was at the Super Bowl too. I, I thought that yeah, was I uh, that was. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, there he is. He, I was like, dang, he's lost weight. <laughs> yeah, he's not playing yeah. anymore. Yeah, shout out, shout out to Will Shields. You looking trim, brother. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, also another shout out I wanted to give before we moved on to Husker football. Shout out to Nebraska. Ball, baby. Shout out to Nebraska ball because I don't know if you've been paying attention to what they've been doing these last couple games, but man, that Japanese Steph Curry, Keisei Tominaga, he is fun to watch. He's not just a shooter. He moves around. He, He drives to the basket. It's they're a fun team to watch. I watched the game yesterday. It was a very fun game to watch. Uh, uh, Sam Hoiberg, Fred Hoiberg's son, came mm-hmm. in and stole the ball at the uh, in overtime to win the game for him. I mean, it was just the, the, there's fun stuff going on with Nebraska ball right now. So if you haven't checked them out, check them out, and it's and it's fun to watch. Yeah. So Still shout out to them. The tournament though, unless they the, win the Big Ten tournament. So here's the situation. The situation is um, well. If, if anybody has been peripherally following them all year, you know that for the first, you know, 15 games of the season, it didn't look good. And it looked like they were got, uh, uh, heading towards maybe ha- having their coach be fired, not reaching the postseason at all in any capacity, and it didn't look good. Their two star players um, uh, got hurt. Two of their star players got hurt. Uh, yeah. uh, and and it really messed messed up. I mean, and, and a bunch of... People have stepped up, essentially, is what's happened. A bunch of people have stepped up, scoring where we didn't expect them to be scoring, and all of a sudden, Nebraska is able to do things like going to Rutgers and winning handily, um, and and uh, and then beating a Maryland team that just beat Purdue um, at home uh, in a great game, and where they were down and they came back. They they just show a lot of grit. So you got to give we're Nebraska fans. Got to give respect where it's due. And uh, I think Fred's saved his job. And uh, they're they're looking at a potential NIT bid if they can win. I'd say probably two out of the next three. 
they they could they could probably secure an NIT bid if they're over 500 by the end of the year, um, and if they win out and win one or two games in the in the Big Ten tournament, they might get a tournament bid. That's where we're looking at. They'd have to get to about 19 wins to get to a tournament bid, and they're at 14 and 14 right now. So, shout out to Nebraska ball. Just wanted to give them a quick shout out. Shout out to Kase Tomonaga. Respect, brother. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Um, so also one thing I said I, I saw on uh, on Twitter the other day that that uh, I thought just was really cool was um, it was announced this year Brian Buscini announced this year that he will be wearing number eighteen um, to pay respect to the late great Brooke Berenger, which if you know anything about Nebraska and Nebraska sports Brooke Berenger is an example of an amazing human being um, a community man um, an incredible teammate. And he was great, lost. Great for, football player. He great football gonna, player. He was great football player. Uh, they were and talking he, about a uh, first round. Yeah, NFL, NFL bid yeah, for him. NFL. I mean, yeah, because I mean, he came in and he was a completely different style of quarterback that, than mm-hmm. than what we had. Uh, and then because Tommy got hurt and all that stuff, you know. Yeah. And uh, um, I wasn't alive back then. I'm trying to do it as much justice as possible. But I've seen the documentaries. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Decade of dominance, I believe, is one of them. One of them's called. But anyway, so uh, I, I love that paying paying respect to Brooke Berenger. Every time I pass that Brooke Berenger statue outside of the uh, outside of the the stadium, almost cry. Lost too soon in a plane crash, man. It's it's just it's it's tragic, and I'm and I'm I'm happy to see that uh, 20 years later, um, someone's able to to pay respect to that. So Sounds that's pretty like cool Coco. as well. Your memory lives on as long as people remember you. <laughs> I've never seen that movie, but you've never seen Coco. If you I have never cry, seen that movie. Don't watch Coco. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched every time. I watched the beginning of it, but I was like, man, this is too much Spanish for me. I don't speak. <laughs> it's like uh, this is the ofrenda and i was like i don't know what that is <laughs> and then I, I think i fell asleep yeah yeah uh, yeah the, it's, it's one of my favorite pixar movies really okay yeah. i'll watch it coco yeah. coco yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard about it i've heard it's really good if you like music that's why that's why yeah. i, I uh, yeah. wanted to watch it but uh but yeah so here we are we're in february it's february 20th of 2023 Matt Rule has been the coach at Nebraska for uh, four months, which seems like ten years at this point. Um, yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think it was that long. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, like he's been football season just ended for me. Yeah, so that's probably why it didn't feel. Well, like what I mean by it seemed like ten years is he's done about ten years of work in those four months. Oh. I mean, this guy has been getting to work. Talk about a grinder. I mean, look, no, no games have been played on the on the field yet, but. Based on what has happened in these last four months and how he is operating this program, he is absolutely exactly what Trev described whenever he went on the radio show like a week after Frost fired and he described who he wanted as head coach. It's it's Matt Rule. I mean, characteristically. So um, so yeah, it, it's been fun to watch. There's been lots of news. He's he's got his uh, his class wrapped up. They 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 brought in 39 new people, which is insane think about that brought in 39 new people he brought in uh 28 uh 28 high school guys and 11 transfer portal guys um so it's interesting there's a lot of new talent in year after year this is going to happen i think this is just going to be the new norm where Mm -hmm. you look at each team and each team is going to be very very different from uh from each other um so i guess what is probably a good thing to, to to start uh 
uh, with talking about this topic is um, there's lots of new guys, and we could hit on all of them, but we're not reporters, so we won't. If you want to learn who all these guys are, there's plenty of videos on that type of stuff. And you and I have been following all that, so we generally know who all these guys are. But uh, we uh, are going to go ahead and pick a top three likely contributors of who you think will be the 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 contributors from these 39 people. It could be, uh, did I say freshman or yeah, freshman or transfer? So any of the 39 people that are new to the program uh, uh, for con- contribution at any position. So you could go ahead and go because I know you already got yours picked. Um, but go ahead, brother. Yeah, I'm trying to to look back up. Uh, look back up uh, who I picked. <laughs> no worries. I, I remember who they were. I can see their faces. But I, uh, I don't want to bungle their names. Uh, let's see. Well, I know one of your guys. I, no, I, 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 I know okay, you. I got it. I got it. Okay, I go got ahead. It. So, so at number three, uh, Malachi Coleman. Um, okay. I just uh, there's something about the kid when you see him play, and just he just reminds me of how having some sort of intangible, um, just that not everybody has. Some people are really great athletes and you see them play, but some people just have an intangible and you can't put your finger on it. And I think that that is really going to help contribute to this, this offense um, sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to be one of those red shirt people. I just don't. Cause if you look at him in his size, like he needs to put a little bit of weight on, but he's a yes. speed guy too. So you don't want to put too much weight on. So he doesn't really have that problem that a lot of guys would like, mm-hmm. look at Devonta Smith. Okay. Mm-hmm. In my head, I'm, I'm, he plays a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's my number three. Um, okay. Uh, on Malachi real quick. If I, if I can say something on him, yeah. so uh, the, his body, I, I know this is like, KD is way bigger than Malachi, but his body mm-hmm. type sort of reminds me of Kevin Durant, where yeah. Kevin Durant doesn't look strong. If you look at Kevin Durant's legs, his legs look like pencil legs. But yeah. he's one of the most insane athletes on the planet, and he plays in the NBA, and, and he's getting fouled multiple times a game. He's durable. He's much more durable than he looks. Um, he's been hurt a lot, don't get me wrong. But he's he, for how he looks, I mean – I, I'm like, damn, his leg looks like it would break in half if, if anybody, you know what I mean? That's how KD looks. And I'm not saying that's how Malachi looks, but Malachi has that body type where he is just a freak of nature athlete. Doesn't really matter how he looks. He's, he's, I think he might that's be one saying, of those redshirt contributors. De- De- Devontae Smith, like he looks like him. Devontae Smith is Demon- so yes. freaking wiry. Yes, he is. And, but he will outmuscle guys for the ball, and he will just plays so aggressively. He catches everything, too, man. <laughs> he catches well, everything. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. allegedly. Uh, but, okay. but, yeah, Malachi. I think Malachi. Malachi. My, me, personally, you say he's not going to contribute in redshirt. I say I think he'll play his four games. I think he will. No, I said he probably wouldn't redshirt. Oh, oh, you did? I, I thought yeah. you said he probably... Oh, okay. Got it. I don't so, think he will redshirt. Got it, got it. So you think he's ready to go. Got it. I, I, th- I think he's more ready than... Because so, these are top three likely contributors of the new yes. guys. So that makes yes. sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes right. sense. So Malachi. <laughs> yeah, Malachi. Um, number two. This area of our team been weak for a really long time. And there's one conference that is really good at developing offense alignment you look in the league 
the NFL and how the percentage of SEC guys that are still playing in the league, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And we got one of those people to come over to our team, Jacob Hood, right? Mm-hmm. So, and if you've seen the, the guy play, he's really strong, um, you know, has a good, good head. Six, eight, 340. Yeah, he's huge. He's huge. And I, like, <laughs> we need that. You need that yeah. in the Big Ten. Um, you know, you just you just do because uh, it's mm-hmm. it's on the line of scrimmage. Big Ten football is on the line of scrimmage. That's where you win and lose games. Um, and I think he's really going to bolster. Um, even if now nah, he's got to play. I was gonna say even if he's not a starter, uh, but I'm just trying to think of the other alignment. And we've had some attrition. Yeah. There with, even uh, if he doesn't yeah. start, he'll play. Like, look, uh, someone made a point about Bryce Benhart the other day that if you watch the last like five games of the season, he started to look better all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I don't want to just like completely trash Bryce Benhart going into this year and say Jacob Hood's definitely going to start Jacob Hood and Turner Corcoran or whoever else, because Bryce Benhart's got a chance. Um, I mean, he's a highly rated player coming out of high school and and he's he has experience at this point. So yeah, and just think um, of the other guys that we still technically have here. I don't know mm-hmm. if they're still going to be here. But, yeah, we'll uh, see. New Willie is still yeah here. yeah, and he was New- he's good. Well, Rob, Doctor Rob. Dr. Rob says Nuwili and Prohaska are the two best linemen on the team. Yeah, Dr. Rob Zadiska. Yeah. yeah, and Prohaska, it just like got hurt again. So that's two years in a row he's gotten hurt. Yeah. Um, right. So that's something to watch as a, as a lineman because those sometimes you just can't get over it. But if yeah. you think of those th- just those three, and with Jacob Hood, those are those mm-hmm. three. Then you talked about Ben Hart, and mm-hmm. those are just four linemen that you can just name off the top of your head. Like I think, mm-hmm. I think. You know, I think they're good. And and I'm going to go ahead and include my third pick right here because it makes sense, which is Ben Scott. Because you include him in that. My my third pick for likely contributor is Ben Scott because Ben Scott is going to be the center. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not just a likely contributor. He's going to contribute. He's going to be the center. That's how it's seeming because I I believe Piper is going to be his backup. um, And Piper might rotate in through other positions as well. Um, But Ben Scott is is my third likely contributor. and and, And that just illustrates the point. There's a lot of potential linemen and it's different faces this year. So I'm, I'm interested in that, especially with yeah. rule being an offensive line guy. He's a developer of that positions yeah. position group. So, all right. Who's your number one? Number one, Eric Gilbert. Okay. All right. And here's why. And it's Arik, by the way, I just want to say that. I, it's Okay. Yeah. I thought it was. And then yeah, no, no, no. I thought it was Eric too, but MJ Sherman, heard- who's played with him, he said it's Arik. Okay, so I've heard it go both ways. And yeah. I just picked one. Yeah. No, no. Um, anyways, Eric's Arik. fine. He'll, he, he's yeah. fine with that, but Arik is how it's pronounced. Yeah. Arik. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you look at our tight end room, we're lo- losing Vokalek, um, you know, so we have to bolster that a little bit more. Um, we have Fedoni in there, and now we have him. Um, and just the, for a one-two punch, if Fedoni can get healthy and actually get on the field, he's, again, he's one of those people that you just look at how he's played and he has an intangible about him. And right now it's kind of like a mystique and like, oh, it's always the next guy kind of thing. But you'll you still you look at the kid and you're like, okay, he looks like George Kittle. Like he Dude, has his that, like, his build. his LSU wide receiver highlights are pretty insane. Yeah. They're very insane. He played wide receiver because they needed to find a way to get him on the field. So they played him at wide receiver in a wide receiver core that Trey Palmer was a third stringer in. <laughs> you know, like so Arik Gilbert, the way I see Arik Gilbert is that it's going to be either he's not only a contributor, but he's a game breaker mm-hmm. or he's nowhere to be seen. It's, that's how I kind of see it. Because if, he, if we can find a way to get him on the field, 
like Matt Rule said, Matt Rule said it about him, his his football stuff takes care of itself. He's an incredible football player, and that's obvious. Um, but but if if we don't see him, I feel like we just won't see him at all because it seems like it's off the field stuff that he's dealing with, and I don't know what to say to that, whether it's personal issues or grades or or whatever that is. Um, but Matt Rule is 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 building a family. Uh, style environment, you can tell. I mean, just they, they, the the dudes are 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 uh, are are really responding. It seems to him, based on mm-hmm. you know just some of the stuff we've seen, um, yeah. he really really likes to build relationships with the people he works with on a daily basis and make sure that like they have everything they need and are taken care of. So, um, I'm not saying Georgia isn't that environment. I'm sure it is. Um, but at the end of the day, Georgia, they're a national championship caliber program at this point um and they're they don't have time for any of that type of stuff they have too many athletes ready to go and they just yeah. you, you know I, f- I i don't know this for a fact but i feel like somebody like eric gilbert or like irene gilbert could get lost in the shuffle at a school like that if he's having off the field issues whereas at nebraska he's going to get a lot more focus and attention so hopefully um hopefully that'll translate to success on the field so so your three is malachi your two is jacob hood and your one is arik gilbert that's a good list mm-hmm. okay so i already said my number three it's ben scott um ben's gonna start center for us he uh he was recruited uh he played for arizona state i believe um and then he uh started for them at, at guard but they wanted to move him over center over here um he was a get because uh, of Dominic Rayola, believe it or not, from what I hear, um, Dominic Rayola uh, helped Donovan in the recruiting process with uh, with here. Do- uh, Dominic is lives in Arizona, Arizona State. That evidently they had prior ties to Ben Scott. That whole thing got set up. So I'm excited about Ben Scott coming in. So that's my number three. Uh, my number two, I would have to say, is probably Jeff Sims. Jeff Sims is. I believe, I mean, he, here's the thing. Even if he doesn't start, even if Jeff doesn't start, and this, the same thing goes for Casey. Even if Casey doesn't start or Jeff doesn't start, both of them are going to play at some or point. Logan. Or Logan. I mean, but we'll get to that later. Uh, uh, Matt Rule was asked about quarterbacks the other night. He brought up everybody's name. The one name he didn't bring up, Logan Smothers. He didn't even say, him, mm-hmm. say his name. So, I, I, look, Matt Rule seems like everything he says is intentional. Everything, yeah. you know, he thinks about everything that comes out of his mouth. So I don't think he would have just forgot Logan on purpose. It's, it could have been an accident, but I think maybe we're looking at a position change there. But we'll see. Um, um, but, we'll, but we'll see. So my number two is Jeff Sims. I think he's a very talented uh, prospect. I think that his numbers are a little bit uh, 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 deceptive. He, he is around a 55% completion guy, 50 to 55% completion guy uh, throughout his career at uh, Georgia Tech. Um, but not very many tools at Georgia Tech. His best year was when their running back was Jameer Gibbs. I mean, uh, <laughs> who was Alabama's running back last year. Um, and and that's that was his best stats here. But he's got all the tools. He can run. He can throw. Matt Rule likes him. So we'll see what kind of preferential treatment is given in, in here and there. But my number two is Jeff Sims. Okay. My number one contributor is going to be a little bit off the wall. I don't know if anybody's thinking about this one. But our edge position is completely – I mean, think about it. We've lost O'Shawn and Garrett at this point. We need an anchor at that position. MJ Sherman, Mikhail Sherman from Georgia, is 
he was he was a contributor on that defense. He played on special teams every every time, but he was a contributor on that. He was on the three deep on the defense, and he got in on the rotation at Georgia. And we're talking about probably the best defensive program in the country. Um, so MJ Sherman, I think I, from everything I've heard about him, he is a dog uh, who who is just ready to break out. Um, and so. I really expect big things out of the edge position from MJ Sherman. And I think it's kind of interesting because he's a little bit more low profile, obviously than what, when we got Osha on la- last year, it That's was uh, laughing. Yeah. You're, you're getting, you're getting hype over another edge. <laughs> no, no. When we got Osha last year, how could you not get hype? The, 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 his decision process had 5,000 viewers. You know what I mean? The, 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 the whole thing was a bit of a circus um, surrounding, <laughs> surrounding the hype of Oshan, but MJ, it's a little bit more low key. Not, not a whole lot of people are talking about him. And so I, I'm really expecting big things from him and, and, and we need it because that edge position is a little bit depleted. So I got Ben Scott, Jeff Sims. I almost said Oshan Masses and, and MJ, <laughs> and MJ Sherman. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. All right. Um, so, so interesting. I, I, your list. That's fine. I I didn't think about those guys and Sims. I've I've decided that I'm done, uh, you know, looking at quarterbacks and going, oh, this next guy. Uh, so I haven't seen him play a lot. Um, and again, like he still could not be here at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. I start to really pay attention to that after spring ball because after spring ball, there's a lot of attrition, and then I can really start deep deep diving into you know, especially when right. summer conditioning starts. Most likely, those guys that are still going to be there start of the season. So, right to me, the X factor when it comes to the quarterback battle is what is the offense? What is the offense yeah. like? Who does it fit better? Because we know that there's a certain offense that Casey would beat Jeff Sims out of easily, mm-hmm. and we know that there's a certain offense that probably Jeff Sims would beat Casey out of pretty easily. Um, K State, Jeff Sims would run K State better, right? Or mm-hmm. uh, versus you know a, a pass heavy offense, uh, Tennessee. Casey would probably run Tennessee better than Jeff, right? Um, so th- that's, to me, the X factor. And we, we, we got to know Marcus Satterfield a little bit, the offensive coordinator. Um, he had a press conference. And one of the most interesting things in his press conference uh, was that we're bringing the fullback back. The fullback is back, baby. And uh, I'm, I'm interested in this because when people say fullback, to me, what they mean is um, a dedicated lead blocker. Mm-hmm. Does, does, is that mm-hmm. sort of like, it could be an H back. It could be a, a wing in some capacity that's doing a pulling yeah, motion it's, it's or basically some... making sure there's an extra lineman out there. Right. Also so run with the ball, but right. Yeah. So when I say pull fullback, people think the middle guy in the I formation. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that's quite what he, I don't think that's quite what he means. I, I, I think we'll probably see the eye here and there, but mm-hmm. um, so, when he said fullback, it's unfortunate because the first name that popped into my mind was Jacques Yant. And Jacques yeah. Yant, because like here's the thing, like Jacques Yant didn't seem like he was a natural runner with the ball, but he's so big and he hits the hole so hard that it's like I could see him being a fullback totally. But nope, Jacques transferred to Florida AM. Mm-hmm. So my question is of the people that you know that are on the roster, who do you think fits the mold of being a fullback? Now we got a transfer in. I, I forget his name. Uh, let me let me go ahead and, and Google that real quick. But there's a couple guys on this roster that I look at. I'm like, you know, you're like you could be a Chancellor Brewington. Like you look at Chance, 
that position would uh, would have been perfect for Chance because Chance had no fear and he was just putting people on their back left and right, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Who do you think fits the mold of fullback at uh, at the school right now? There's one person that is in my head right now, and I do not remember his name. Tre- Trevor Ruth, by the way, he transferred from Nebraska. Carney, he's a full. He's an actual fullback. He transferred to. He's part of that thirty nine. So I wanted to go ahead and give him a shout out. So, yeah. Last one we had, last real fullback we had was Janovich, right? That was the last real dedicated fullback that we he, had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was. He was a stud. He was a stud, man. <laughs> he was a real stud. I don't know. I see maybe uh, maybe one of the running backs. No, hold on. I I have I have the perfect person, and uh, I just have to make sure I get. I see his name. It's not a running back. It's one of our tight ends. Um, uh, a Borkature? Uh, Borkature. Borkature? Nate Borkature? Oh, that's yeah. a good pick. Yeah. That's I a good pick. Because, because he is not a tight end. But he, he was out there kind of for depth and necessity. He doesn't have the best hands, but he's physical. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's this. He's a not like a big – you wouldn't look at him and go, oh, you're a tight end because he's, he's a little shorter – He's a little like he's not fat, but he's a little stockier. He's more of a traditional tight end than what tight ends are now. Yeah, so you move that back, and he's, he, and he's like he sort of an H back sort of hybrid yes, position. That's I think, how I, I think, see when he says fullback. That's how I see. I see him being like in a shallow wing position, like as an H back. Um, you know, like sort of in between the guard and the and the tackle, just sort of sort of position there. Mm-hmm. Um, but but behind him, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, yeah, that's interesting to me that the fullbacks coming back. Um, I hope that our run game is strong because Rule has just left and right. I want to play defense and and I want to have a strong run game, and I just I really want to see it. And you know what? It's going to be on display because I want to go ahead and announce this. I'm going to the spring game. I'm going to the spring game. I'm going to be doing some uh, some uh, journalism in the field for this podcast. Um, uh, I'll, I'll I'll be a uh, you know, I'll be uh, paying close attention to what's going on, and hopefully they're tackling this year. So, yeah. But here's the thing. We have a big roster, but it's about to be trimmed down, um, which could play a part in this spring game because uh, Title IX, th- this is the excuse they're sort of using, uh, Title IX sort of uh, mandated. If you know anything about Title IX, essentially it means that you have to have the, an equal amount of, of uh, uh, male and female athletes at any given school. Um, and Nebraska has a 150 plus man roster for football, which essentially means they have to find spots. They have to find 30 female spots. Oh, you're going to be a curler or you're going to be, <laughs> you're going to be an archery person. Or you're, oh, you, you can barely do it. We'll teach you. Come on. You're in the program. So they, they wanted to get rid of like, I think really what it was is Matt rule wanted to downgrade the walk on program a little bit. And they used title nine as a bit of an excuse for the face of it, because could you imagine the blowback, you know? Yeah. So the, the roster is going to be getting smaller. It's going to be around 120 uh, people. So we'll see if that uh, plays a role. And if they, if they, uh, if they tackle in the spring game, but one of the interesting things about that roster change, by the way, is the old, okay. So the facilities they're in right now were built by Bill Callahan, who had a similar philosophy to rule when it comes to roster size. So they were built for 120 man rosters. So they're all too small for what they got right now. The new facilities were built and designed with Scott Frost collaborating, who wanted 150-man-plus rosters. So they're huge. 
but now they're downscaling again, so they're way too big. <laughs> but it's okay; they'll find a way to use the space. It's a, it's kind of a, just. I just thought that was a funny aspect of the situation. Yeah. Is like they, they can't figure out what what size they need to make their facilities. <laughs> Better too um, big than too small. It is. It is better too big than, than too small. And, and and with that being said about the roster roster stuff, I, I think that um, um, more people will probably will have some more attrition coming here soon. We've already seen the first uh, couple steps that uh, Alante Brown supposedly off the team. Uh, from what I hear about that, there is a, a possibility that he could come back. Um, uh, but I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's great personal stuff. Again, I have no idea, but he's off the roster as of right now. And Hunter Anthony is uh, the, uh, the offensive lineman. Uh, he's off the team and, uh, he won't be coming back. So that's two, um, and probably 25 more to follow. So we'll see what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if so, if you look at, uh, just look at our quarterback room for a second. How many scholarship guys do we have in there right now? We have. Uh, Heinrich Harburg, we have uh, Torres, we have Casey, we, we have now we have Sims, we have uh, Logan, and, and Chuba. And oh, we still have Chuba. That's right. Six. We have Chubba. six. We have, we have six, six scholarship. Scholarship. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. That's getting trimmed in half. It's too much. Well, um, <coughs> he wasn't scholarship, but Jared Sinek's also also off the team. Uh, he was yeah, he was in that room. I saw that. Um, um, but yeah, so another quarterback in the this draft too, or did he? Uh, did uh, he? No, or no, did, no, no. We were gonna we get were one. Running. We we had Pop Watson, but he was a he was a Whipple guy. Um, right. and then and then he didn't even get contacted by the new staff supposedly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, because they have their eyes on the next topic of conversation, which is Dylan Rayola. As we've already talked about, he has he decommitted from Ohio State a while back. His recruitment is, is open, and it's emerged the likely candidates being Georgia, USC, and Nebraska. So, um, my read of the situation right now: Georgia picked up another twenty-four quarterback, and um, they lost their offensive coordinator to the NFL. My read on, because of those two things, and just based on how I'm reading it, I feel that the Dylan Rayola sweepstakes comes down to Nebraska and USC. He visited USC in January. Supposedly he had a really good visit with Lincoln Riley. Before that, the family didn't like Lincoln Riley. Supposedly now they, they do. So this is, it's just interesting. He's visiting on March 25th. It's one of the most star-studded visiting weekends Nebraska's ever had. Him along with another five-star and seven four-star athletes. Um, I don't know where, where what positions. but So two five-stars, seven four-stars, um, and then... A uh, couple very, very promising three stars that same weekend, but um, so Dylan Rayola, man, it 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 would be like we've talked about program changing uh, sort of commitment if if he uh, fulfills his uh, p- potential. Um, I mean, even even if it's like three quarters fulfills yeah. his potential, he's one of the highest rated players of all time. So it would still be a, a, a huge benefit to us to to have yeah. him here. And I mean, you know, it's funny, I haven't looked at a single frame of tape on him <laughs> really really you, you should uh, look he's a high school student i'm i'm done i understand at, i'm done i did it on malachi just because well I, once he committed i mean yeah, once he committed, yeah, I was, yeah. like eh. you don't want to get too hype i get it yeah, but let me put it this way he's not he's not the number one recruit because his name's manning let me just put it that way 
He's not the number one recruit. Even Rayola's. I mean, Rayola's a, a name of royalty in Nebraska. You know, it's he. His dad is a legend. He's not the number one recruit because his name's Rayola. He's the number one recruit because the tools that he brings to the table. He potentially. He looks like Mahomes. Some of his throws, he looks like Mahomes. I mean, like the dude has a cannon for an arm. He can throw out of all angles. He's an incredible athlete. He's big. Um, he's just got all the tools. So Rayola, that would be a huge get. Uh, at this point, I personally feel that it's down to USC and Nebraska. And look, there's pictures of, of Dylan Rayola when he was a little kid, just like dressed in Nebraska stuff on the field, you know, like we, a, I mean, obviously our dad wasn't yeah. a legend, but you and I have pictures like that, you know, like yeah. he's it's, one of us. It's something that you can't really uh, compete with in, in a way. You can yes. convince away from it for sure, but you yes. can't compete with that. Yes. Um, it's about uh, somebody, somebody said this. It's an interesting, uh, interesting observation. It's Sean Callahan. Shout out to Sean Callahan. He said that uh, <laughs> one of the things you look for on recruitment visits is did the mom come with? And if the mom comes with, especially to Nebraska, like you're going to get them. And if the mom doesn't come with, they're coming on the visit for fun, basically. Um, and so the important thing with, with any recruitment is get the mama. You got to get the mama. And so I feel that's important here, too, because you got the daddy. I mean, Dominic is a Nebraska guy. He wants him to go to Nebraska, I guarantee. But he wants him to go to the, the best spot he, he feels is for his son. So, um, so yeah. That Dylan Rayola sweepstakes is going to be interesting. Uh, the next couple months are going to be pivotal, and his commitment is looking like late May to June, um, which is late for but believe it or not, for a prospect of his caliber. Mm-hmm. Normally, they're committing around March here, so we could yeah. get a surprise commitment, but I, I doubt that it'll probably be May, May and June. So hopefully, yeah, well, we'll get him. And if we do, a lot of a lot of talent will follow. That's the other thing that that no, nobody talks about. The, one of the big reasons it would be program changing is when. Prospects in that class see the five-star, 1,000-ranked, you know, number one prospect going to a place. They're like, oh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. You know, a lot of people follow mm-hmm. him. So hopefully that'll happen. Hopefully that'll happen. He's a part of the 2024 class, right? 2024 class. Yep. 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 Um, okay. So a couple more things. A couple more things. I wanted to go ahead and talk about our rivals to the east, the Iowa Hawkeyes. The Iowa Hawkeyes, they extended Brian Ferentz contract, but like, Did so here's, really? <laughs> so yeah, like, so, and here's, okay, so let me describe it to you. It's insane. It's insane. So they, they extended it under stipulations. So the stipulations are, the stipulations are they have to score 25 points a game and they have to win at least seven games. They've already been doing that, pretty much. <laughs> like, like, what, like, like, so if you're an Iowa fan, you're looking at this, and this is nepotism. Like, this is the worst case of nepotism I've ever seen in college football, to be honest with you. I mean, like, I kind of feel bad for him at this point. Like, I hate to say it, but I kind of feel bad. Like, if I was an Iowa fan, I would just feel hopeless right now because you got this guy who's grandfathered in. He owns the program, basically, and Kirk Ferentz, and he's refusing to do anything about his son who, look, I was never had good offenses under Kirk Ferentz. Okay, they they've generally in their best years been in the fifties, but that's the style of football they play. So the fifties is good enough, like fifties, sixties, seventies. That's kind of where they've been. Brian's best year, they were like eighty three, and the other years they've been like one twenty. 
Yeah. So, like, this dude sucks. Like, he's a terrible coordinator. And we saw it yeah. firsthand. I mean, like, I look, I have never been less nervous watching an Iowa game, okay? Even though we almost lost. Remember, you remember. I think you were watching it with me, weren't you? I don't, I don't remember. But No, I, I was watching it, though. Yeah, but I, I wasn't even nervous. Every time Iowa got the ball, I was like, we'll be just fine. We're going to stop them. <laughs> and and yeah. that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> now, especially with the... <clears throat> The caliber of defenses they usually have, um, they have usually a defense that can keep you in most games. And all you need at that point, it's like, it reminds me of the you know first couple of years under Bo before they didn't really have an offense. Like those years that we almost won the Big 12 championships, if we had an offense, we would have won national championships. National championships. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it just reminded me, especially since I had watched those, so recently before this season it reminded me of the uh the, the zach lee years yeah the 2009 year totally yeah. totally yeah. uh i agree that i mean because i was defense was elite i yeah. i would say well here's what i'd say i was i was defense was very very good almost elite uh the, the difference between those two comparisons is that 2009 nebraska defense was very very elite i mean it was yeah. very elite yeah. Um, so they wouldn't have given up 45 points to Ohio State. They wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, so Iowa, I just think that's funny. And, you know, they're a rival. We play them every year. So this transitions into the next topic of conversation, which is that next year, we'll, the, uh, after 2023, 2024, will be the first year where UCA, USC and UCLA will be joining the conference. And the scuttlebutt is that will be the conference – Divisions will go away, and it will be broken into pods uh, consisting of three teams you play every year and a cycle of six teams one year, six teams the next year. So eventually you play every team in your conference uh, on, a t- on a rolling two-year period. Um, so, so looking a lot more like the NFL structure. Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what the SEC is looking at doing as well yeah. whenever they go to 16. So my question to you is this. Um, what do you want to be our three teams? In the Big Ten, what 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 teams do you want to play every year? Um, every year, yeah. Uh, Maryland, Rutgers, <laughs> <laughs> Michigan State. Man, you know what I wish? I wish the Big Ten because they're the best two conferences. I wish the Big Ten and the SEC would strike up a partnership, a lot like conferences do in basketball. And I wish we could do stuff like. The SEC Big Ten Challenge, where Nebraska and Oklahoma play again on Thanksgiving or Black Friday after Thanksgiving, you know? Like, that would be amazing, but not going to happen. But I have people in mind. I do want to keep playing Iowa. There's something I, I, I have grown to like the rivalry. I have. I, I'm just going to be honest. It's, it just makes sense geo- uh, uh, geography-wise. It's just two corn states, you know, right next to each other. Um, so yeah. Iowa, Iowa, I think, needs to be in there. Um, I agree with Iowa. Yep, um, and then I, I'm so they're gonna give us either USC or UCLA. They're gonna give give us one of the because we're the furthest west team, and so they want that to happen every year rather than them have to go to Piscataway every year or something like that. Um, so it's gonna be either USC or UCLA. If I had my pick of those two, to be honest, I'd choose USC. To be honest, because it's like, bro, they are so inconsistent. You know what I mean? They're so yeah. inconsistent. Like they'll be really good one year, and it'll it, it would be a hell of a resume builder if you beat them. But the next year they might suck. So yeah, I'd honestly choose USC. And then I'm between so Iowa, USC, and then I'm between either Wisconsin or Minnesota. One of those two teams. 
I want to play either of those two teams every year and make it sort of like a rolling rivalry. But I don't know. Those are my thoughts. What do you think? I So I'm going to take out the whole um, we're going to have to have either USC or Okay, yeah, go ahead. Take that out. I'm going to take that out. Take but that I'd out. Probably, I'd probably like Iowa as well. Um, it's just it's too much of a heated thing now, especially between the fan bases, for it not to keep going um, mm-hmm. on a yearly basis. Yeah. Um, and then probably Wisconsin, uh, probably for the same reason, because those games have been, for the most part, really competitive. Mm-hmm. They've had our number. But it's one of those things that, like, I just don't want to run away from the fight. I want it to come. I want to have the the feeling when we come back around the other side. Yeah. Um, if. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, we'll be playing all these teams every two years anyway on a rolling yeah. period. So yeah, 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 either yeah. way, we're playing all of them. But it's and just interesting the, to figure out. So. Yeah, for the last one. Oh man, I think. I think I, I know. Really, yeah. Really, really like to play Penn State every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really would. Yeah. Oh yeah, Penn State. Penn State would be a great pick, man, because yeah. we never play. It seems like they've seemed like the team that we haven't gotten. Like we've only gotten them like twice, two or three times the whole time we've been in the Big Ten. No. And and we both used to live in Pennsylvania and uh, know a lot of Penn State fans and all that stuff. We've been to State College. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty cool environment, and also the fact with. I, I get where you're coming from because also the fact of Matt Rule being a Penn State guy and having to play them every year as a rival would make it an yeah, interesting dynamic. It would. It would. And um, also, if you beat them, there's they've been very consistent. They mm-hmm. haven't won anything really great in a while, but they're mm-hmm. always a resume builder when you beat them. Yep. They're they're a point. Of, they're a very oh, consistent they program. State. Yep. Very consistent. Yep. You're so, so right would, about that. It would be a good win. Yep. To beat them. Yeah, they're never like the best team in college football, but they're never bad either. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. yeah, they're a very consistent program. That, that's a great pick. You know, the other one I was thinking of was, um, uh, as an honorable mention, was Northwestern. Man, I mean, we've just had some I very about yeah, yeah, like everybody has because they're so bad these days. But I oh look, God. let me put it this way: I definitely wouldn't mind if Northwestern's in that pod because that's yeah. just like a win. Sorry, Northwestern. Okay. Sorry, Northwestern. Okay, let's they be honest, bro. Last year, dude. We have sucked for 10 years. That's what we're trying to get out of. You know what I mean? Like, they shouldn't have been beating us. They shouldn't have. You know what I mean? So the, the way you look at Northwestern is like, they're really bad most years, and every once in a while they'll be pretty good. <laughs> like, so I, I, they're an honorable mention. I wouldn't mind playing them every year. And respect to them. We've had some fun games against Northwestern over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so that's an interesting dynamic to me, the Big Ten moving, in, moving into 16 teams. That's going to be fun to watch. Um, next year is really going to feel like the pre-show for 2024 because, I mean, you, you still have the 14 playoff. Texas and Oklahoma are still in the Big 12. USC and UCLA are still in the Pac-12. But you, everyone knows what's coming. So I, I'm very excited yeah. for 2024. 2023 is going to be great. It'll be like the end of the, the last part of this era. But I'm very excited for 2024. Um, but, yeah, so it'll yeah. be fun. It'll be fun. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention on this pod. Uh, yeah. Early break with Sip and Jake. So early break with Sip and Jake is a radio show that uh, that that happens on ninety three seven the ticket every morning and I've been listening to it for a while it's a pretty good show but since the beginning of the year they've had Bill Bush on for the entire show every episode mm-hmm. yeah, wow. and and he's hilarious <laughs> he's so <laughs> funny man he is 
he he just like has these ticks like the like he's a coach and you can tell like he's just been a coach for 30 years yeah. and like he just like like a, after every other phrase he says like that <laughs> like he'll just be like like that like that and like everything is outstanding outstanding it's outstanding like that outstanding it's just hilarious so if you're interested in in uh in um listening to coach bush i highly suggest checking out those uh those podcasts they do every morning they're on their youtube channel i just want to give them a shout out because i've really been enjoying it it's really awesome yeah. Yeah. And he gives really good insight, obviously. I mean, it, it seems like everything they talk about, he's like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. We, we worked here. You know, like, it, here's probably what he's thinking and blah, blah, blah. It, it's, just, it's just great. So if you want any insight onto Nebraska football from a coach perspective, a guy who's really has a legendary resume if you really look at it, um, yeah. worked, with, worked with Urban Meyer at Utah, uh, uh, worked at Wisconsin, worked at LSU, worked at Ohio State, I mean, like this dude's just worked everywhere. So, uh, you wanted to give him a shout out because, like, man, he's—it's just been—it's made my day every day. I'm like, all right, time to listen to Coach Bush. Like, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, shout out there. And I also wanted to remind y'all to go ahead and subscribe and like to the podcast. We enjoy doing it. Um, uh, and you know, you, it, it helps us out to subscribe and like to the YouTube channel. So uh, go ahead and do that. And also follow us on Twitter at Seahusker underscore Corner and on Instagram called Cornhusker corner so yeah do you have anything else uh for the day uh no no i i think that's it um yeah i mean we'll, we'll probably do another one uh next time a good amount of uh you know news yeah. news cycles back we'll, up we'll probably, probably do month. a we'll yeah we'll probably do one next month and then maybe one right before i go to the spring game little preview yeah. and then we'll yeah. do one when i get back you know and then yeah. uh summer will be here and before you know it fall camp will be here and before you know it we'll it'll be, be We'll You're be in Ireland team. playing Northwest. Oh wait, <laughs> 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 uh, we'll we'll be uh, we'll be in Minnesota playing uh, the Fighting Flex. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be it for today on Corn Husker Corner. Always remember that there's no place like this podcast. This podcast.